Hello, residents of Meepletown. This is Dean, and today we're going to be talking about how lonely I am. We're also going to be talking about a new game from Dronda Games Kickstarter upcoming called Pioneer Rails and several solo games. So thanks for joining us for episode 123. All right, Town, if you were here, you would see Dean sitting in a pool of tears. That is not true. But I did want to talk about the fact that, one, I'm alone today for the first time ever. Solo Dean episode. For those of you who have been waiting for this, clamoring at this opportunity to just have a whole episode of Just Dean, this is, this is it. This is for you, which is not many of you. And, and in fact, I'm actually a little bit nervous about doing this one because I have to talk the whole time. And I'm kind of getting over a little bit of a, a sickness, and so it's uh, I might have to to cut out for a little bit and cough and all that good stuff. But um, anyway, yeah, it it is me, and I want to start off the episode. This is actually going to be a, a probably a shorter episode than normal, as you can imagine. But I wanted to talk about the state of Meeple Town to start off. We're not doing a poll. We're not doing any of the the normal stuff necessarily. But I'm going to talk about the state of Meeple Town, kind of what's going on behind the scenes since John left, the the future the, of the upcoming months at least, and 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 then I'll also talk about some games because, like I said, I've been getting over some sickness, and so I've had some times to some time to play some solo games since I've been kind of hanging out by myself a little bit. Just want to talk about those experiences because I feel like we don't talk about a lot of solo games on here. So starting off, let's talk about the state of Meeple Town. Well, first off, uh, it, just on a personal level, I, I kind of mentioned this in the last episode a little bit, but didn't really get into it. it this is a it's a tough time. Not it, it, you know, John and I make a lot of jokes on here, and, and we kind of you know riff on each other a little bit last uh, the last episode but the reality is John and I have, have grown really close over the last several years four years of doing this and and it's it's been enjoyable really truly it's been a huge blessing in my life to be able to work with John and and have that time and and you know like I said we've grown close in our our friendship I feel like we had good chemistry we work well together in general John and I did not have really much behind the scenes drama or anything like that, which sometimes you can in, in these kind of settings. You know, there there's there were no divas in this show. John and I just, you know, we want to elevate each other and and I just feel like that worked really well. And so on a personal level, when John told me that he wasn't going to be able to do this show anymore, I, I knew it was coming or, or assumed it was going to be coming soon because we had talked about the possibility, but it was tough. It really was. And I, I went through the a couple days, honestly, just feeling really down. And yeah, not not upset at John or anything like that. I totally get it. Just down because I, I, this has been such a big part of our lives for the last couple of years. And the truth is, John and I are still friends. We're still hanging out. Um, when we can, we'll game together, that sort of thing. So it's nothing... It's not like I'm gonna not see John and not get to game with him. That that is still gonna be there. We won't get to game as much, nearly as much, actually. But the fact that we won't be able to do this together is is it's a bummer. But I'm also at the same time looking forward to what's what's gonna be the future of Meeple Town, because I've been doing a lot of work uh, behind the scenes over the last couple months since since John and I first figured this whole thing out. 
um, I, I've been thinking about, you know, what, what can this look like? And so we mentioned last week that Darren is going to be the new co-host on the show. Darren's done some things with us in the past. Darren and I have been friends for years and actually longer than John and I have been friends. We don't live in the same state now. John, uh, Darren uh, originally is from Middle Tennessee, from from Nashville, but uh, moved up to Indiana. And so we're going to be doing this remotely, which is a little bit of a challenge, but I, I still felt good about working with Darren because we know that we work together. We've done a lot of different projects and things in the past together. So we, we know that's that's going to work well, or I, I think it will anyway. Uh, just the logistics of working with somebody remotely is something that we haven't had to deal with before. Uh, and in fact, when John and I have recorded remotely, we've always said, you know, it's not our favorite to do that because sitting in front of somebody and, and having that, that immediate f- reaction and feedback and, you know, body language, all that you can see much easier in front of somebody than you can in, in front of a computer screen. So there's some logistical things that we'll have to work out there, which is why we're giving it a, a while before Darren starts. So the first episode that he's going to be a part of isn't going to be until at least June is, is our target right now. If we feel like we're still not quite ready, uh, or if you know vacation plans or anything like that get in the way, it actually could be pushed back a little bit farther. But our target is some point in June. And we've been meeting weekly, uh, sometimes more than than once a week, just kind of talking about what this could look like, reimagining what Mapletown will look like. And I'll give you kind of a peek into that, even though some of this might change. Um, w- one thing that we talk have talked about is the format of it, just in general. So. <clears throat> One thing that that John and I had wanted to do for a while, but just couldn't really make it work, and it, it was kind of tough to change the direction a little bit. But but was to do a weekly podcast. We did that uh, in different times of Meeple Town, specifically when we were doing our top fifty games of all time. Typically, we would post those weekly, and sometimes we had some other back to back episodes that we did. Uh, but it became a little bit of a challenge. So Darren and I are, are working out a way that we can make it a weekly podcast. We're still going to record every other week, but then we're going to record two episodes at one time, which means that we're going to be recording shorter episodes, which is another thing that that I had hoped that we could get to um, to record shorter episodes. Our, I don't think our episodes are especially long. There's a lot longer podcast out there, but just on a on a personal level, I just kind of feel like I would rather have a weekly episode of about 45 minutes than have double that every other week. And I know that's, you know, semantics or whatever, you know, it, I guess it's not that big of a deal for a lot of people, for a lot of listeners, but I like the idea. I think that we'll probably gain more listeners that see 45 minutes as opposed to an hour and a half and think this is something that's a little bit more palatable, even though it's the same amount of time overall. But in that, uh, there's some challenges because <laughs> I, I've started recording some of the episodes leading up to that June time, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But but the challenges are to get everything in one episode in 45 minutes is a bit of a challenge because John and I's banter, for one, typically would be about 20 minutes, which is half the show. And so we have to cut down on the banter and and then really kind of cut down on some of the other segments and and whittle that down. So that's the part that... That is a challenge, but I think it's going to be good on the other end. It's just working out the kinks in the meantime, and I'm going to be working through those kinks 
with guests that I'm going to have on the show. They don't know this, but they're kind of guinea pigs to to being able to get to the place time-wise that I would like to be. And so over the next two months, we're going to have hopefully weekly episodes come out. There might be some times where it doesn't come out uh, the, you know, in, in a week, it might take two weeks or whatever, depending on how I can line up all of the guests. I've got plenty of guests lined up so far. Uh, I've recorded some of those so far. Um, and our, our first one's going to start next week with, with Steve O'Rourke. I'm real excited about that, but I'm, I'm realizing that it's going to be a challenge to get that 45 minute mark. But I, I just think it, it, you know, we just can't have the same, you know, John, Dean and John talk for 20 minutes, which is take John out of the episode really. And that's a good hour of the hour and a half of the episode. So there's, there's a, a big plus there for John leaving the show. Okay. The, I mentioned the next couple months are going to be guests that are going to be on the show. Uh, some of them are, are people that are going to be local. Some are going to be ones that are, uh, that you'll know some you might not know, but the all, all people who are gamers and, and I'm excited. I'm actually real excited. The format of those is going to be pretty much the same. Um, that is a little bit of talking about who they are and their gaming experience and all that. We'll talk about a game or two that we've been playing and then a segment at the end, which for the most part is going to be a top five list. And so I, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I, I like the way that that format's going to work out. And uh, I just think that I'm, I'm excited about some of these guests and it's, uh, it's a challenge. I, I'm not used to doing this kind of interview style, but I am excited about the challenge. I think so far it's gone well and hopefully we can keep that up. So anyway, that's that's kind of the future of what's going on with with the podcast episodes. Now, over to YouTube, we talked about for a while that we've wanted to do more things. And we do. We do want to do more videos and I there's a couple of videos that I actually have to do. And so um, there will be some content coming out, but I'm really hoping that between Darren and I and, and maybe John too, depending on if, if he has any time, I'd like to get some more content out there. The problem is I haven't really figured out what that looks like yet. I love the format that John and I had with our playthroughs and with our gameplay videos. I want to do that, but it, it's more than likely would just be myself kind of Rado style format. Um, instead of doing the solo games, that would probably be a, a two player version. And I just play kind of two parts there. So that's, that's if we do those style, there's some other ideas that John and I floated around for a while that I might just dig into. I just, at this point, YouTube's not a priority. It's getting the, the podcast, uh, continuing the podcast and feeling good about where we are there. And then I can focus a little bit more attention on that. So the other part is, is as I'm mostly doing everything by myself at this moment, um, it, it's, it becomes challenging, you know, editing podcasts every week at this point, uh, setting up the interviews, actually taking the time to record and preparing and all that good stuff. It takes a while. And, and, and when you're doing it on your own, it, it, it's quite a bit. And so um, there's a good chance I won't get to do a lot of the videos that I want to until Darren starts and we can start divvying up some of these responsibilities a little bit more. But we'll see. Uh, but again, I've not given up on that. I really do want to do more stuff with YouTube it just time, you know, it, it, it's going to take some time. So with the other Meeple Town thing, so one of the things that John and I have pushed for a while is our Patreon and, um, and then more recently the, the buy me a coffee. 
which are the only ways that we raise funds for Meeple Town. We do get a little bit, and I mean very little money from, from YouTube, especially since we don't put out any content right now. We're really not getting much from YouTube at all. But I, I am going to keep those going. And I totally get if you're like, hey, I, I was here because Dean and John, and so I'm out now that John's out or whatever. That That's fine. I, I get that. That is totally your... Um, uh, that's your choice, right? If, if you want to support the show or not. But I will say it does still help. We did take away the the benefits for supporting through Patreon. So if you support Patreon, it's just because you love us and want to support the show. There's no extra benefits at this time. Once Darren starts, it's possible that will change again, but we'll just have to see when we get there. If you're supporting, I really appreciate it. If you continue to support, that's fantastic. If you want to uh, start supporting for the first time. I, I would really appreciate that as well. Anything that we make just goes straight back to Meeple Town. It's helped pay for um, conventions. It's helped pay for some games that we've reviewed on the show that we didn't have review copies of, and and you know didn't necessarily have the funds of our own to to spend on those games. It goes towards hosting the website. It goes towards hosting the podcast. So all those things, we don't see any of that money on a personal level. It all goes right back to Meeple Town. So I appreciate your support. If you continue to support, I really appreciate that. If not, I'm not going to hold that against you. If you want to start for the first time, uh, that would be fantastic. You can see all of the the information on how to support in the uh, in the description in the podcast or on our website. All the information is listed on there. Yeah, and I, I, I'm slowly but surely trying to upgrade and, and do some new things to the website as well. The, another way you can support actually is is by ordering merchandise on the store. You can get some Meeple Town swag, some t-shirts, hats, all that good stuff. So if you want to support that way, that would be fantastic as well. And I think that kind of covers everything. Just, okay, recap, Dean's sad because John left me. He abandoned me. And... Uh, things are still going to keep going and thanks for your support. That, that's kind of a recap of everything up to this point. I want to talk about some games though. So let's talk about some games. Hey! The first game I'm going to talk about is not a, well, it is a solo game and I've actually not tried out the solo of this one yet, although I will hopefully before I, I do the video for this. But that is, is Pioneer Rails, which is an upcoming Kickstarter through Dronda Games. They did um, some other Solar Sphere um, and, oh goodness, what is the, the other one that I'm thinking of? Uh, Solo Sphere is one that we talked about on here, which is the, um, uh, the Kickstarter video that John and I did a while back where you have this uh, sun and you're you're pulling off energy from that sun and and it's kind of a worker placement type game. Solar Storm is the initial game that I played from them, which is a a cooperative game. Used to be on BGA. I'm assuming it's still on there. Uh, but a fun a fun play, uh, pretty quick solo. Uh, excuse me, cooperative game by Dronda Games. Now they, they've also put out some other things as well. But the newest one, and this is the one I'm super super pumped about because it is a flip and right game which I enjoy. I, I've been enjoying some roll and write, flip and write games by Matthew Dunstan and Jeffrey Allers. So Matthew Dunstan is a, is a designer that I've talked about quite a bit on here. Chocolate Factory, Guild of Merchant Explorers, one I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Pioneer Days, Next Station London, a game I've been playing a lot. So there's a lot and in, in a, a bunch of other ones. But I'm a big Matthew Dunstan fan. And 
so obviously that's that's three pluses right there. We got the publisher, we got the we got the the flip and write. We've got a designer that I'm a really big fan of, but we also have another another designer, Jeffrey Allers, who who is a designer that I enjoy. New York Slice uh, is a game that I've liked quite a bit, um, and has done several other ones. I've not played a lot of the other ones. Donut Shop is one that is coming out that a lot of people are. Uh, it's getting a lot of good buzz. So. So two two really good designers and uh, a style that I enjoy. Now in let me go back here in Pioneer Rails, you are going to be flipping three cards over at a time. Uh, I'm I'm looking at a two player game by the way. This is uh, I'll, this is my experience with the game. So in a two player game, you're going to flip three cards over, and that will change for how many players you have. And the first player, if it's your you're the first player for that round, you're going to take one of those cards. The second player is going to choose from the two leftover cards that are out there, okay? Now, uh, or in a higher player count, you're, you're choosing from cards, but everybody can choose from the, everyone's choosing from the same card, so you're not actually pulling another card away. So if I'm the first player, I take a card, and it's going to be a poker card from 10 to ace. So it's going to be all the four suits, 10 to ace, and I will choose one of those cards for two different values on it. One is gonna be the number. I'm gonna write the number down in a box, and a full round is gonna play through five different turns. And so when you write down the number of your card, the value of your card in the box, that is because you're trying to form a poker hand. Now, it's not a full-on poker hand in the sense of, like you can have a flush or a, or a uh, royal flush or a, uh, straight flush or anything like that because the the suit of it doesn't matter when you're writing down just the value of it and you're getting your poker hand so the value is going to be like the the lowest value is going to be one pair which you know you might have one pair of tens or uh, the highest value that you can have is going to be four of a kind and then before that it's going to be a, a straight so how that works is why, why would you have the value on there? Or excuse me, why would you have the suit on there? Well, you have the suit on there because you're going to be drawing lines out from different stations and those stations match the suit. So if I take a 10 of hearts, I'll write the 10 down in my box. Then I'm going to draw three lines out from the heart station. And these are on, uh, It's you've got a hex sheet in front of you. Okay, so as you're drawing lines out from your station, you're going to be unlocking different things based on how many lines you've drawn on certain hexes. Now, that might sound a little bit confusing, but it's really not a confusing game at all. What, what I mean is, if you are trying to get a gold mine, for example, you only have to have one line on the gold mine. So if I draw one line on one of the, you know, one of the hex lines on the mine hex, then I will circle a gold in its box. Okay, I'm going to do a video of this so you'll be able to see all of the of what I'm talking about. Um, there's also a, a, a saloon where if you draw two lines on that, you'll be able to circle the, the saloon space on your on your individual player board. So that's all you're going to do on your turn. You're going to take a card, write the number down, draw a, a line from the different station. You're going to get points at the end of a round for, like I said, having the the poker hand um you'll you'll get the value of whatever it is but if you have a saloon this is playing so there's two different maps on this one this is the the brown map with the brown map if you have a saloon attached to that poker hand it will actually double the value of your poker hand meaning if i get four of a kind which i think is six points 
then if I have a saloon attached to that, I'll get 12 points for that. You're also going to be getting points for selling or taking gold, depositing it into a bank. You'll get points from um, your tracks reaching different villages along the way, different cities. And so there's a lot of different ways that you get points. There's also a, a green map which changes the, the rules a decent amount. Not the the core gameplay, but it will change the the way that the different hexes work, which I like quite a bit. It also introduces bandits where you're trying to capture bandits, but you have to have the jail cells available to put them in. The more you capture, the more points you're going to get. So some things that I like about this game is simplicity. One, it's a super simple game. Just flipping those cards over, you're drafting those cards, and then you're writing on your... The, the value, and then you're drawing three lines on your board. You can also, by the way, draw more lines if you have unlocked villages. Villages let you kind of change some of the rules so you can draw more lines on the on the board. But I like the simplicity. I really like how the different hex choices become really interesting. There's a, I, I, there's a lots of different areas, like there's cattle that you can collect there's, to get more points. There's uh, this, I forget what it is, but this space that if you put four lines on its hex, then you're going to get uh, more of those hexes that you unlock, the more points that you get. So there's a lot of really interesting choices. And you have lots of different strategies that you can take, and it feels like they're all viable for scoring a lot of points, which is good. I, one thing that Roll and Write sometimes do is, is the same thing over and over again. Not that that's necessarily bad, but in this game, you can take a different strategy every time and feel like you know there's a viable option for, for winning the game. I can win the game if I do this strategy versus the strategy that they're taking, but that's also a good option. I really like that. Kind of in the in the vein of Hadrian's Wall, where Hadrian's Wall, you can do lots of different things. This isn't anywhere near the complexity of that. It's a really simple game, but I enjoy it quite a bit. Look forward to the video on that. As of now, the Kickstarter is going to launch on April 17th, I believe, um, from, from Drawn to Games. So if that sounds like something that is interesting, definitely check that out. It is one that I would keep my eye on just because I enjoy all of the the design of the publisher but but i really enjoy the game and this style it's something i've been gravitating towards a lot is the roll and write and flip and write game so anyway check that one out it takes about 30 to 45 minutes as well all right i'm going to talk about a few solo games now i did not mention that i've been sick lately i got covid a few weeks ago and in the midst of that i also hurt my foot and so i couldn't walk for about two weeks and then I'm just like got some other kind of sickness. It's springtime in Tennessee, and so I've, I've been dealing with the, some allergy issues. But in that, I, I haven't gotten out a whole lot lately, other than you know the times that I've needed to to work and and all of that good stuff. But as far as like extra things, I haven't been getting out a whole lot. So I've been doing some solo games, and that's what I'm going to talk about right now. I'm not going to do like a top five. I thought about it, but I just don't feel like I can do that right now. And I'm, maybe there's a guest that I'll have on that'll say, hey, let's do a top five solo game. So if that if that happens, I'll, I would rather save it for that. So I'm just going to talk about several that I've been playing and, and kind of giving like a, a why I've enjoyed playing these. For the most part, these are not, uh, these are like one-off, one-off solo games for the most part. Uh, I'll explain that a little bit later. But uh, one thing that I found myself enjoying quite a bit are solo games that play very similarly to the original game and don't have a whole lot of upkeep. So those are things that I'm finding that mean a whole lot to me. 
one example of a solo game that I've not really gotten into, but a game that I absolutely love is Glenmore 2. I'm going to give this as an example, not because I'm dogging on the solo. I think the solo is fine. It's just not really my bag because it changes too many things. There's too much upkeep, I guess. Uh, another uh, example is, um, uh, oh goodness, I was just thinking of of another one that's not there and John's not here to save me. So anyway, so I'll, I'll pick on Glenmore too. Talatum is, is the other one I was thinking of. So again, games that I absolutely love, but the solo game, there's too much upkeep for what I want or changes the gameplay too much for what I want. I want to play the exact game that I would normally play, but I, I don't want to have a whole lot of upkeep with that. So that's that's a criteria that I have when I'm, when I'm looking at these. One that I've played quite a bit over the past year, and this made my top list of favorite games of 2022 and that is planet unknown so planet unknown is a game where you have this lazy susan in the middle of the table you're going to be taking a tile out of there a polyomino tile putting it on your planet and then going up tracks polyominoes moving up tracks that is my jam now i actually really like the two-player game of this because you're just turning the tray and then taking whatever's in front of you as opposed to a higher player count where you are <clears throat> not just randomly turning the tray, but one person is going to pick what they want and turn the tray to to suit their needs. I kind of like the simplicity of the two-player game, and the one-player game works the same way. You're just going to turn the tray, take a tile, put it on your board, and keep doing that along with the different event cards. Now, with the event cards, this is going to kind of set the stage for the difficulty of the game in a solo play. And what I mean by that is the more of the difficult events that you put in there, the uh, the, the way that it changes up, the way that the this uh, scoring changes up on there. Uh, if that, that probably really doesn't make any sense at all, the way I just described that. And actually just put the way, put away the rules so I don't remember exactly how that scoring works. But just know that it changes the different values of how many points you're going to add or subtract at the end. Now, the, the goal of this is to get 60 points, as close to 60 points as you can get. But if you are adding in different levels of, of difficult event cards, that changes um, the points that you're, you're going to get at the end of the game. So I, I really enjoy this. Um, at first, I didn't really love solo games that just have the try to get the best score that you can get. But the more I've gotten into solo games, the more I appreciate that because oftentimes it means you're playing the exact same game as what you normally would and then just keeping your score. So what that looks like is games that are already, for the most part, multiplayer solid game, solitaire games make, in my opinion, really good solo games because you're doing the exact same thing. You're just trying to beat a, a specific score. And so that's exactly how this works um, in, in Planet Unknown, one that I've enjoyed quite a bit. Another one that fits in that criteria, one that is came out in 2022, and also you're playing the exact same game, is the Guild of Merchant Explorers. Now, in this one, you're going to be flipping over a card, and it's almost like a flip and write, except you're not writing, but you flip over a card, and it tells you where you can put your cubes on the different hexes based on the terrain type. And you also have these special cards that come out that change the rules, and everybody has their own special cards. So when the special, like, number one card flips over, the uh, everybody's number one card triggers number one special card triggers and they're all different but they're all wildly like putting out a ton of cubes uh, they're crazy is what they are and they they feel 
I want to even say like overpowered, and they are overpowered compared to the normal cards, but everybody's cards, special cards that they have are overpowered, which is, it makes for a pretty cool game. When you first play it, you're like, wow, there's no way I'm going to fill up my board. But then you get into it and you're like, wow, okay, yeah, I am going to fill up my board just, or not fill it up, but you're going to get a lot of cubes out there because your those special cards that come out. Now in the solo game, the difference is as those cards come out, it's going to be blocking spaces on the on your objective cards. So if you fill if you complete an objective in, in the normal game, if you complete an objective before other people, you're gonna get 10 points versus five points or something. I I might be wrong on the value, but you get more points for completing an objective first. And in the solo mode, those spaces are gonna slowly get blocked up. And so you wanna get those objectives completed as soon as you can. And in fact, you have to complete them in the solo mode to be able to uh, to be able to complete the game. Otherwise, you you uh, will not will not win. If I if I remember that right, again, I could have some of the rules wrong on that. But I I've really enjoyed my plays of of the Guild of Merchant Explorers. Dry name, dry look, as far as I'm concerned. But this is a Matthew Dunstan game that I, I alluded to earlier that I've quite enjoyed. I. I'm not looking at my list right now. I don't think this one made my top 10 games of the year, but it was really close if it didn't. I, I've really enjoyed my plays of this one. Another simple game, and the solo simplicity is just fantastic. So another one I played recently, solo and and multiplayer, actually, is Cascadia. This one came out in 2021. This is a Randy Flynn game. Beth Sobel art, beautiful art on the box and the cards. Uh, by Flat Out Games, and this one is a tile drafting game where in, in the vein of Luna Capital, where you take two different things. So I'm going to take a tile, but it also is going to have this um, uh, this token that matches up with it. I'm going to take both of those. The tile is going to go out into the, the tile landscape with matching different trains and you're going to get more points for the matching trains at the end of the game but then you're going to place a token onto a tile that matches the habitat and there's cards out there that are different point values for having the different tokens matching up in certain uh in certain alignments so for example there there might be one that says if you get two bears together and they're not touching other like a pair of bears and then you have another pair of bears that's not touching any other bears in another spot you're going to get more points so the more pairs of bears that you have on the board the more points that you're going to get another game that you are trying to get a a high score in and i've uh quite enjoy how all of that plays out because again for the most part it's exactly the same way that you play the normal game the the two-player or higher game the difference is at the end of your turn, you're going to remove the far right token and tile that match up, and that's it. And and then just score, uh, score and see how high your your score is. There's also some different achievements that you can reach if you if you're into that sort of thing, on the back of the rule book, which is which is really cool. I enjoy that. I, Cascadia is a, a favorite of mine anyway, but the solo of this plays really smoothly. It's a lot of fun. Another recent one, this one came out in 2022. You've not heard me talk about this one because I picked this one up a little bit later in the year. Uh, actually, this year, and it was after John and I did our list, and that's Flamecraft. Flamecraft is a pretty simple game that is by Manny Vega, and in this game, you are 
it's a worker placement game where you're going to be putting out your dragon onto the board. And when you do that, you'll take the action at that location. Sorry, you'll take the resources at, lo at that location. You can then play a card at that location if you have one that matches one of the slots. And then you can trigger an ability there. But there's also, that's one action you can take. You can also go to a spot to complete an order and then trigger all of the different cards uh, at that location. So it's a pretty simple, it's a really simple game. You start off with six cards out on the board, which are the different locations. As those fill up with cards, then you will put out new cards, and those new cards are going to have different abilities, that uh, location abilities that will trigger as you take those actions later on in the game. Super simple game. I quite like this one anyway, but the solo version of this is really neat because you're going to be playing, and uh, some of the spots are going to get not necessarily, they're not blocked because you can go to any spot, but if there's, if there's another player at that location, you have to pay a resource to be able to take, uh, to be able to go into that location. There's also a uh, kind of a timer that happens in this game. As more dragons come out, then that, that timer is going to dwindle down uh, as, as more dragons are, you know, put out onto the board. Also, the the orders that you're trying to fulfill is a timer and the uh, the AI is going to be removing those different cards potentially every round if their symbols match up with any symbols that are out there for those orders. I really like this one quite a bit. It's actually pretty the game itself is simple but the solo I have found is is quite challenging at least for me. It's because I want to do a lot of different things but not necessarily not necessarily score a lot of points and so it becomes a bit of a challenge for me but the cool thing is this actually has a little bit of a campaign so as you finish your first game if you've completed a an objective and you've beat the game then you can take the card that matches that objective and then add it to your locations and now your next game that you play you've got another location that could potentially come out and change the gameplay i like that quite a bit i it's something really simple but it becomes like this this thing that you want to do i want to complete these different achievements so that i can get this out there I like that. I, I think it's fun. Flamecraft is a really fun game as far as I'm concerned. It's uh, it's weird because it, you get so many resources in this game, and it's all about resource management. But the way that you manage those becomes a challenge, I, I think. like You have to do it better than other people, even though you're not like hurting for resources at all during this game. You, you have to spend them in the correct way. So I really recommend the solo version of this one. Another solo one that I've been playing a lot, This, if I did rank these at this very moment, I'd say this one's actually probably my favorite one, and that's Hadrian's, Hadrian's Wall. You've heard me talk about this by Bobby Hill, uh, Garfield Games. Uh, in this one, there's lots of different things you can do. You can go back and listen to some of our episodes. But one thing uh, where we've talked about the gameplay of this, one of the things I really enjoy about this one is the solo version of this one is that the gameplay doesn't change up very much. And there's so many cool different strategies to explore. And I've really enjoyed the exploration piece of this game. And really, the upkeep for this one is really minimal. It only it changes one slight rule that if I purchase something, like if I purchase a good or, or a trade, I can't remember what they're called, but like one of the trade goods from the AI player, then that means we're going to flip over another card when they attack at the end of the round, which is not much of a change, but I think it, it's challenging enough that you might not want to do that because you want to make sure that you protect your your borders. So I really, really like this one, and I've played this one a 
a ton lately. Highly recommend this one. This one might even keep rising up to eventually be a, a top 50 game for me at some point, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I've liked this one a lot, and the solo even pushes it that much higher for me. The next one, I've just got a few more that I'm going to talk about, but is Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. Now, I'm super pumped to get the Kickstarter stuff in the mail soon. It's been sitting there waiting to ship out for a while for me. So I'm not looking at any of that content yet. But the original Ares Expedition solo version is you are trying to you're trying to terraform Mars. So you're trying to get all the different levels up before your time or before the end of the five rounds. And it is a quite a challenge I've found. I I've I have one, but I don't always or maybe even often win the solo version of this one. But it becomes a, a little bit different game in the way that you play it um, in the sense of like I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I can move up all these levels. Points don't matter as much. What really matters is being able to get your temperature up, your oxygen level up, and then flip over all of the ocean tiles. So I really enjoy that challenge of it. And it's, it's different than the other ones that you're not just trying to get the higher score. You're trying to actually race against the AI. Now, the way the challenge comes in is the AI is going to flip over a card every time. If you play this game, it's kind of like Race for the Galaxy where you flip over a card and simultaneously figure out which actions you're going to take. That's how this works too. So if the AI flips over the same card that you do in that round, you're only going to get to take one action. You do get the bonus because you also flipped it over. But what you really want to do is is flip over a card that they haven't flipped over and which at the beginning of the round, you have no control over that because you don't know what card's going to flip over. But if you do that, then you're able to take two actions plus the bonus action that you get from the card that you flipped over. So that that part is it's really interesting and I really enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, uh, one that I've played a decent amount as well. Next one is Empires of the North, uh, Imperial Settlers Empires of the North. And this is a, uh, it's cool because they have different solo scenarios in the book that change up some of the rules but the gameplay itself plays pretty much the same although you might have some extra spots that you can place um, your worker you might have different things that you can that you can do based on the rules and i like that quite a bit now the cool thing about this one is that they just had this expansion come out that is the wrath of the lighthouse this is kind of the same vein imperial settlers the the original edition came out with like a, a solo expansion that that is also really cool i've played that quite a bit but this one wrath of the lighthouse kind of brings you through this scenario based campaign where the rules change just like they do in the normal book but it's got this story that kind of goes along with it and i've i've just dipped my toes in that recently and i'm i'm super pumped about exploring that a lot more because imperial settlers empires of the north solo is one that i've played quite a bit and this is a top ish 10 game for me i can't remember exactly where it landed but it's one of my favorites uh it's a 10 it's a 10 for me i, I enjoy it quite a bit I, I didn't mention this but um uh this is from portal games ignacy chevichek and and um joanna uh kianka is uh the designers on that so i love this one quite a bit it's a tableau builder slash worker placement one that is um uh, kind of a permanent staple in my collection Next one is a game that came out in 2022, and I did talk about this one. This one also made my top 
uh, my top 10 of the year. By the way, I'm not going in any order. I just listed a bunch of games. I'm just kind of going through it. And people are just like, I don't know. I don't know if people enjoy it. I, you know, you might hate solo games and this is not helpful for you at all. But if you like solo games, I hope this helps. All right. Heat Pedal to the Metal, which is a Days of Wonder game. And this is by uh, Asger Harding Granrud and uh, Daniel Skjold Peterson. This is a racing game where you are playing cards. It's it's deck builder esque. Yeah, it is. It is kind of a deck builder, but you're going to be playing cards based on the different gear that you're in. So if I'm in third gear, I can play three cards. But the tricky part comes when you're going around the curves. You can't go around them too fast. Otherwise, you're going to take on heat, and if you take on too much heat, you're going to spin out, and everything kind of resets, and it becomes a really big challenge to win the game if you've spun out. The game is really tight. I've found the solo version of this to be difficult and also very tight. Now, I have had games where I have run away with the lead, but that's it's not... It's not common. The way that the the AI card flips over, basically you just flip over car, a card that tells you what all the different colored racers are going to do for that round. I think that's really cool. It's super simple upkeep and it makes it really easy for you to focus on just your turn and then all you have to do is flip over one card that tells you how all of those other cards are gonna move. Really highly recommend this one if you've played it. Um, if, you're, if you've played this in multiplayer and you're not a solo gamer, I, I'm actually, I'm really impressed by how well this does play. It's so intuitive and it's a challenge. So I really recommend this one, even if you're not a solo player, just to, to try it out. Another one that's, that's I've talked about on the show, John and I have both played this. Uh, we actually played this at PAX U on, in the airport multiple times. This is Jamie Stegmeier, Stonemeyer Games game, Rolling Realms. This is a roll and write game where you roll two big huge chunky dice and they'll have two number values on there and you have three cards in front of you matching different games most of them being stonemeyer games and then you fill out a uh, one of the spots that matches the number on there on two different cards now the cool thing about the solo is you're actually playing like this golf version of the game and you are trying to complete the game by getting a high score in the sense of if I complete the objective of this round, then I will, and if I complete it on the first time, I will get a one stroke. And if so, if it's like a par two, that means I need to get, in order to get par, I have to beat it in two times. But the cool thing is how the rules change from hole to hole. That's what I like quite a bit. So it tells you exactly what cards you're going to use to play in that round. And then it's also going to give you some specific rules. Like you can only have, you have to get maybe 12 stars total, but you can only get a max of like three stars on this specific card or something like that. I just made that one up. But it has rules that change the way that you have to complete things. And I really enjoy that. I found myself, I really like Rolling Realms anyway. I've played it a ton over the last couple of years, and the solo I just think is so well done, so clever. Uh, I love this one quite a bit. That is Rolling Realms. I'm going to talk about, I think I got two more on here. Uh, that's right, two more. So the next one is Marvel Champions, the card game. This is Ryan Fournier, listener, really got me into this one, and is kind of my go-to. He's, he has everything for the game. The neat thing about the solo of this one is that I played exactly the same as I do a two-player two because I actually play 
double-handed. I'll play two different characters. Now, the cool thing about the solo of this is that there's also campaigns that go along with it. And so there's a, a Guardians of the Galaxy campaign that you can play. There's, there's several different big box expansions that you can get. Plus, you can get a ton of the just character boxes, whichever characters that you enjoy the most. Go pick up those if you want. And the, the price tag is, is pretty reasonable for that. So I really enjoy this. I have started playing through one of the campaigns. I've only played a couple of, of matches in that, but I've played this game a lot, just the one-offs because I enjoy it that much just playing those one-offs but but when you do play the campaigns it's interesting because it adds different cards that you might add to your deck based on how you finished for that specific game and and i like that i i just like that little change up and and uh it, it becomes really interesting i like this game a lot better than my wife does she did not love this even though she loves marvel and so this has become pretty much an exclusive solo game for me these days which is which is fine because it plays you know like i said the, the same as is playing a higher player count that is marvel champions the last one of the day the last game i'm going to talk about is merchant's cove now merchant's cove is a game that was in my top 50 it was my number one game of 2021 if i remember right it's the johnny pat carl van Ostrad, and drake villarreal and um the art is uh, by Mihailo Dmitrievsky, and in this game, it is a, a asynchronous game where you're taking on a faction and and doing something the way that that it's a worker placement. But the way that your worker placement for your faction works is very different than the other one. The ultimate goal, though, is to sell these wares to the these adventurers that co are coming to port. The solo game of this is really well done because the upkeep is pretty simple. It is probably the most upkeep out of any of the games that I've talked about today, but it's still a really simple upkeep. But the neat thing about this is you're not just trying to get a high score. You're trying to actually beat the other player, which is really my preference of, of solo games, but, it, but I enjoy the other ones as well. The, the other player is going to be gaining wares based on whatever you know, however it's going to gain those wares. And then it's also going to sell them. And there's a, a, a different, um, like this, uh, kind of format that it goes through to, to be able to determine which ones it's going to sell and where, and which ones it's going to gain. I like that. I like that. And you can kind of plan your strategy against theirs in the same way that you can other players. So this is one that I really recommend if you're a solo gamer, Merchant's Cove, I think is fantastic, especially for an asymmetry game. Now it's, character is always the same but you get to change up your your character that you use or the different board that you use which is i think pretty fantastic so that's merchant's cove and that is my list of just a bunch of fun solo games that i'm gonna that i've been playing i haven't been much of a solo game solo gamer in the past but i've been more of a solo gamer lately and i don't really get to talk about it because most of the games that john and i are talking about ones that we have been playing and so maybe at some point we'll talk more about these i might even do a top five list at some point some of these for sure would make that list but for the meantime here's some here's some games that i i just recommend checking out there's a bunch of other ones out there and uh, if you have any recommendations for me of ones that i'm missing out on please reach out and tell me because i'm on the lookout for more of these style game so that is going to do it for episode 123 where we talked about some games i shared my my hopes and dreams for the future I shared my my innermost secrets of sadness with you so hopefully all of that was enjoyable but next week steve o'rourke is going to be joining me we're going to be talking about 
uh, a cool game, uh, a really hot game. Uh, it's all all the rage these days. And we're also going to be doing a, a top list as well. A little bit different than just a straight up top top five, but it'll be a top list nonetheless. If you would like to get in touch with us, I say us, John still does keep up with some things um, through the Meeple Town social media and um and other ways. And if you have questions for him or whatever, you can always reach out to me and I can I can pass him along if he doesn't see him. But if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us. That's uh, meepletownmail at gmail.com. You can go to any of our social media, Meepletown Games on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can support us on Patreon. You can support us on buymeacoffee.com slash meepletown9. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. So, Dean, speaking of Solo, what is Han Solo's favorite type of video game? First-person shooter. <laughs>